truck to get me to look inside and, and determine what was next for me. And I knew I wanted to use everything that I loved about theater and about improv and about comedy, but I wanted to heal first me, my own wounds. Welcome to Talking Smack 415. I'm Debbie Mink. I'm an artist and mom, and I've lived in SF for over 20 years, and I'm from Jersey. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm from Jersey. Deb and I grew up together. Mom of three slash four kids, I'll explain one day. And I'm a beach girl, really at heart. We love to laugh and we think we're funny. Of course we are. (laughs) Our dream job is to be paid for just being us. We keep it real. Sometimes we're shallow and talk about lipstick or my favorite mascara. And sometimes we go deep and talk about our souls. You will always laugh. And you may cry. And you'll always feel like you're talking smack with your BFF from the sixth grade. No judgment ever. Laugh with us as we talk smack about our past and our lives now. We are more than moms, and we know you are too. We'll be coming at you every two weeks with a new episode. Because we are there for you. (laughs) (laughs) Laughter and friendship to feed your soul. Hi, welcome back to Talking Smack 415. This is Debbie Mink, and I am here with my co-host, Amy the Great. Here I am. And today we have very special guests, Rala Khan and Richard Rossner, here with us. And these two have a business called The Power of Play, where they turn improv on its ass, Coach grown-ups to play with a purpose so that we can all laugh more, play hard, and die less. And I love that tagline. I just think that's totally rocking. Die less is the best thing ever. Rala and Richard, can you say hello? Hi. Hello there. I love your enthusiasm. I remember I have often in my journey um, approached friends with an idea. And I, of course, love laugh more, play hard, die less. And a lot of people didn't. And I love that you do love it. I know. Don't get me started. It's a Oh, thing. my God. It would have die in it. So people had, you know, can you say die? Yeah, yeah. Negative connotation, right. possibly. Possibly, but it really doesn't. But that's, yeah. I like that. I like that it's provocative because it opens up a conversation about what I really mean. Because it's not just the die like you would think. But I like to say it's like the nicks and boo-boos that happen to us, the nicks and boo-boos of our soul that happen with just living life. Um, the power of play helps to heal those. Mm. And awaken your soul. It, right? It, you know, it's sort of like I wouldn't, I, you know, I never really thought of it like that because I feel like people that are willing to play, they are awoken. They are at least willing to be awake. One of the people who Rolla met early on in all of this was a, a, a social anthropologist uh, uh, by the name of uh, Ashley Montague. Doctor. Doctor Ashley mm-hmm. Montague. And <laughs> his, one of his sayings really summarizes what we're trying to do. Uh, he lived to a very ripe old young age, and he said that... Of 97. Of 97. He said, <laughs> the, the more you can embody the quality uh, the positive qualities of youth and childhood, it will keep you, it will literally keep you young. And what's he, his line? His line was, the thing is to die young, very late. To die young, <laughs> as late as possible. Young, as late as possible. <laughs> that's and right. that's what we try to do. Yeah. So the qualities that children naturally embody, what happens is at, at, we're, these are beaten out of us as kids. You know, we're told mm-hmm. to grow up and be responsible and act our age and get a real job. And who do you think you are? And stop daydreaming and blah, blah, blah. And Dr. Montague's work inspired me because his whole treatise was it grownups can embody the qualities that children naturally have on a regular basis. It upcharges our immune systems. It keeps us healthy in mind, body, and spirit. And I took him at his word. And that is one of the operating principles in our work. So how do you, well, I just want to go back real quick to talk about how Rolla and I met because we were 
at this, conv- we were at an event in LA, maybe like two or three years ago. And I saw it's September, Ra- 2018. I remember September, it 2018. And I saw Rala get up on stage and I just took one look at her and her like charisma and her stage presence. And I was like, Oh my God, this is my soul sister. And I want to be her when I grow up <laughs> through like all the bangles, all the big light bangles on your arms and the red glasses and the caftan, like you just command such a presence and a being that I was like, I think after you got done speaking, I was like laughing my ass off with everything you had to say. And after you got done speaking, I just think I like walked over and stood by you until you had it, until you saw me there. I was just so taken. Your red lips walked into the room before you did, which when I read red lips, I said, that is a girl from my planet. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) And it wasn't long. I mean, and we just, you know, and we had the Kathy Heller connection. You'd been inspired by Kathy. Kathy was a, a dear friend and mm-hmm. she was moving into this whole don't keep your day job universe. And this was a live event. And she asked me to open for her and, and the rest, here we are. Yes. Here we are. Yes. And I would love to take what you said about the power of play and being an adult and learning how to play and embrace it and how you kind of would tie that in or, how would you use that for someone not mentioning anyone who might be on this call who is working in a, in an extremely intense corporate environment? Like, how do you bring that? How, how do you tie that into your life? Here's the interesting thing. So in your case, uh, let's just say, uh, and we're not talking about you, but because you bridge the gap, you are one of the most playful humans I know. Just your whole je ne sais quoi, the you of you is just filled with that playful aliveness. You know, mm-hmm. I've watched your videos with your kids and cooking in your robe, which I love. <laughs> and the whole sh- that is just, it just sets me on fire. So, but to speak to that issue, you know, because often um, our corporate suits are our biggest challenges. And when we're hired, let's say by the uh, qualified buyer, the CEO, the head of HR, the CFO, we, we show up to deliver a training. And honestly, it's like people hate us before they've what? met us. Before they've met Why? us. Because they because don't, they, they don't want to play along? It, they don't know what it means. Play is frivolous. That's not getting the job done. What? That's play. not get, No, that's what they yeah, think. Yeah. No, no. I was repeating. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. It's, 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 it's terrible. We had a very interesting account. Uh, it was. You can tell them. I mean, you can yeah. drop names. And, well, video. an international uh, account. Uh, a, a it was a a conference of international accounting presidents of their company, mm. and every year they would meet in a different city around the world. And whoever was the host city, they would organize things. The year before, it was in Bombay. This year, it was that year. It was in Los Angeles. And the guy who was the head of of the uh, Los Angeles company said. These things are horrible. People get together, they meet, there's a big opening thing, and then everybody's on their computer for the rest of the time and nobody's paying attention, nobody's doing anything. He said, I had a moment in the bar with a guy from uh, Boston who I normally wouldn't have even paid any attention to, but he was watching the game and it was the Celtics versus the Lakers. So we started having this incredible conversation and connection. He said, that's the moment I want everybody in our conference to experience. So the guy who was helping him develop this conference called us in. Mm. And every time we tried to explain what we would do, they would say, oh, we want what you've got. We'd like you to, to play this game. Oh, no, 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 no. Nobody can. They couldn't play that. No. They're no, accountants, no, for God's no, sake. No, they can't do that. No. can't do that. And it was, an, and got hired in February. The conference was, was in November. And by August, I had already written my first resignation letter. It was, it was insane. But we finally got them <laughs> on our train. And we did the conference. We walked into a room. People, when they heard what we wanted to do, were raised. They did not want to do this at all. They said, I paid thousands and thousands of dollars. I traveled halfway around the world to be here. You want me to sing a song and play a silly game? Mm. Well, what happened by the end was people met each other. They interacted. They connected. They they networked. They they established bonds that they had never had before at these conferences. 
One guy came up to us. They were always looking at their computers and yes, one guy. One guy came up to us and said, did you hypnotize me? I would never get on a stage and do the silly things that you had me do. This was wonderful. Yeah. So and what are some silly things you have people do? Well, in, in that thing, well, one of the, the things that we're going to have you do is we're going to play one of those games a little bit later. But in this okay. case, uh, our job was to create instant teams. And we had to do this, by the way. Um we had to tell them that on Saturday night they were going to be the talent because that's what the host. It company, had been built up that you're in Hollywood. There are so many celebrities. At the Century Plaza we're at Hotel. Century Plaza Hotel, and you're going to have one hell of an evening on our banquet night. Everybody was excited for who was going to be there. We said they're staying was, right in this hotel. Oh, and Twilight. <laughs> the whole Twilight. It was a whole Twilight oh, right. thing Twilight happening. Was, in the Twilight hotel. was releasing their all movie. The actors. So all those people were there. It was insane. <laughs> so they thought it was going to be like movie stars, you know, centric. And then we had to tell them that they were going to be the talent, which meant we, we, yeah. Not only are they in this hotel, they're in this room and they're all looking around. And <laughs> you're it. And, oh. oh my God. And then we had to break for lunch and we had them play during lunch. But I got to be honest with you, you could, you really could hear a pin drop. And that's what I mean when I say that people really hate us until but they get to know us. Rolla played mm. Rolla out of the blue, pulled up a game that was so wonderful. She gave them an assignment during lunch. She said, I want you to talk about a comfort food you had growing up in your unique situation. So this was an international conference. So mm -hmm. not everybody had pancakes and oatmeal. And everybody got in touch with that warm feeling they felt growing up and how much fun it was to eat food that they really liked. And pretty soon, the whole room was melded beautifully. Mm, that's a good, that's a Just good over one. Food, over food. Over food. Yep. Over yep. food. Food from childhood. Food that makes our hearts sink. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like, mm -hmm. I mean, come on. If somebody said to you, what food did you eat when you were a kid? I mean, that you loved, what would it be? That's I mean, for, ja for Jamie the Great, I remember her coming to school with lunch and her mother would make these corned beef sandwiches on these little challah rolls and the corned beef was stacked four or five inches high. Mm -hmm. She could never eat it all. She would uh, eat I would half. share with all the boys. Yeah, and give, and give the rest away. Now that was Jamie's, that was Jamie's favorite meal. My okay. favorite... What? <laughs> I love it. That's a relationship right there. So now that I've told like you about married. me, they're what do married. you think about me? Yes. Let me tell you about your favorite meal. What, what was mine? You know what? Though? I don't know, but I do know that I loved coming over to your house for dinner because your my mom didn't make like my mom made like real like steak and this and that. Your mom made turkey tacos or chicken or she made tacos out of my, <laughs> <laughs> my mom never made that. So I used to come to your house for that. Yeah. So, but by the way, this interaction is perfect. And by the way, it's laughter, yeah. it's 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 feeling good, and it's actually. Helping your whole physiological system. And do you remember the story? I told, I, I sort of set it up like this because in the brownies, my mom would often be the refreshment leader. And my mother, who, my mother is interesting because my mom was sort of a meanie, but mm. man, she, was she so creative. And so where other mothers would bring wheat thins and apple juice, my mother went to the host cake, hostess cupcake factory and brought hostess cupcakes, like all different assorted ones, or she'd bring um, drumsticks, you know, this mm -hmm. is for, you know, this is for refreshment of the brownie troop. So early on, creative food meanderings were something that I often bring up and ask people about. And you guys just fell into the trap beautifully. But you can imagine what it's like when you have a hundred uh, men. There were about five women in total at this conference, mm. but a hundred people from all parts of the world talking about their favorite foods. Some of whom did not speak English all that well. Yeah. It but they were really still cool. able to communicate, and 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 it was great. And then yeah. the competition kicked in, and then our door was knocked on until two in the morning yes. because we broke people up into teams, and we gave every team two props, and they had to come up with a, they had to sell it. it the mm -hmm. game is called Instant Invention, and each of these teams had to sell their product to the audience, um, which was their co. Oh, oh, well, people from all over the world. Right. They're, they're whatever, whatever that object was, it couldn't, whatever it is in real life, it couldn't be uh, as this product. In other words, a green shovel wasn't a shovel. 
You had to come up with something else that it was. Look at the qualities. So we uh, get people in touch with their own natural creativity. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, all kinds of wonderful they things. They get to catch to themselves being themselves. Because, you know, really there's a yearning to be oneself. There really is. It's a need. People want to show up as who they really are, but they're too afraid to reveal that because sometimes who we really are scares the hell out of those around us. And we encourage people to really show up as themselves. But we we offer people creative challenges. Yeah. So who you are in a game, Ron has always said, who you are in a game is who you are in life. Ooh. So as you're playing the game, which is just fun, you start to do whatever your things are that perhaps stop you, that are blocks, that self-criticism, that whatever stops your intuition from having full reign. And so we help and guide people to recognizing those things through these fun challenges. And then they begin to navigate in a new way. Mm, I love that. Okay, I'm going to pause right there. How do you get them to take that with them? Wait, I'm talking. So, oh my God. <laughs> so, so, Jamie, so you're almost so wonderful. <laughs> Wait, so I, I just want to go back really quick. So, when we were at Kathy's um, conference or event, Rolla, and you know, we were like working on like kind of like finding our purpose a little bit, like I knew yes. I, I came to it there that my purpose is to make people laugh. And from that conference actually came this podcast. And now with Jamie as my co-host, she came up with this awesome tagline, which feeds into what you were saying, Richard, about how good laughter is for you, which is laughter and friendship to feed your soul. And that is really, mm. really oh, part yeah. of our yes. mission here. I love like, it. You know, we yeah. just want to make as people long laugh. as Debbie's in charge, you know, of that's we're still laughing. <laughs> you know, yeah. and here's the thing about laughter, by the way, you guys, you know, in my field, I was blessed enough to be mentored by two amazing pioneers. Uh, and Norman Cousin wrote this best-selling book called Anatomy of an, Ill- Anatomy of an Illness. And he's the guy that laughed himself well. He wrote about it. And one of the things that really stuck with me was 15 minutes of belly laughter gave him two and a half hours of pain, pain-free sleep. And because Norman Cousins was very well-respected, he was the editor-in-chief of the Saturday Review, and he was involved in the Hiroshima Maidens and bringing these Hiroshima Maidens who were all uh, disfigured during World War II. There was a humanitarian mission, and Norman Cousins headed that up and brought these women to get reconstructive surgery. He has been a a, a leader in academia for years. And then he writes this book because he was diagnosed with this very debilitating, painful illness. And he instinctively, uh, while in the hospital, procured some comedy videos. In those days, there weren't videos like we can rent. You have to know somebody that knows somebody. And he got some videos and and he laughed and he noticed that it diminished his pain. So then he checked himself out of the hospital with permission from his physicians and parked himself at a hotel and procured massive amounts of these videos and kept watching them and tracking the way he felt and wrote about it in this book. And that was absolutely instrumental in inspiring me to really focus on laughter because I grew up in a house filled with it. My dad was a butt doctor to the stars. <laughs> a, proctologist, a proctologist. Now, even, no one even knows to what the a proctologist stars. That's well, great. Well, it's Hollywood. That, that I mean, hills, is, yeah. baby. And, and, and by the way, and he was in the guy that that um, that recruited him from the University of Chicago. Um, they were the only guys in town. That guy was 25 years older than my dad. Nobody wanted to be a proctologist. My dad did it as a screw you to his own parents. We like to say he had his <laughs> finger on the pulse of this town. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he wanted to be an artist. My father painted the most. Oh, I mean, he painted the most amazing pictures, and he was a jazz. Are they behind pan- you, and your the paintings behind you. Uh huh. Some of them, many yes. of them. Yeah, a few. That one up on top. But the point is, we're not visual, so who cares? Um, <laughs> the, the, the point I care. is, that, thank you. But he had the soul of an artist, and when you know, Jewish only children from Chicago had a couple of options doctor or lawyer, pretty much, and maybe a, a sidebar accountant, but a jazz piano player and a honky-tonk and a, a, a guy that paints pictures in Paris? No. So my dad decided to rebel, and he he became a proctologist, really, uh, because he had a great sense of humor. So his friends, his parents could tell their friends that, 
Oh, my son, the butt doctor. My son, the tushy doctor. And my dad was so funny. And, you know, he would bring, you know, pictures from the office of things that he had to, let's just say, remove. Mm. And he would put them in our parents' travel slides. And he would (laughs) put them in there. And my mother, like clockwork, would go, Jack, that is so disgusting. And run from the room, and they, we would be rolling on the floor. And my father would be laughing. It was just a house filled with joy. And mm-hmm. then my father got cancer and died mm-hmm. tragically and suddenly. And I think that's what got me moving in the direction of healing with laughter. I think that that mm-hmm. trauma, and you don't, we don't define it, but it was traumatic because my dad was my champion. Mm-hmm. And when he died, and this is the craziest thing. Why does a 16-year-old pick up the American Medical Journal? Why? It was still coming to the house after my father's death. My mother got upset because she thought she canceled it. I picked up the, the, the magazine and turned it to an article by a young doctor. It was about a young doctor, um, an oncologist, that was looking at the emotions and the connections to unfulfilled wishes and dreams, uncommunicated love and anger. And he was looking at that and how it impacted the health of his cancer patients. And I read that article and it stayed with me. And 18 years later, that guy became my mentor, Dr. Wow. O. Carl Simonton. And we're now on staff at the Simonton Cancer Center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you're there as the uh, cheer up committee. Getting- we're the, the humor. We're the, we're the humor, healing and hope uh, uh, I must say, I went back to school and I became a certified Simonton therapist. Our curriculum, the power of play is a permanent part of the, of the curriculum of the Simonton Cancer Center. And both of us are cancer educators and we teach people how to laugh more, play hard and die less. I love it. We people enter the uh, week-long retreat with a gray pallor, with a gray face. And by the end, they've got pink cheeks. They're laughing. They are joyful. They have found a path through whatever the result, the final result is going to be of their of their battle with their cancer. And many recover and some don't. Some don't. But, but the, quality even, those, of life. even those that don't have a quality of life and they are so appreciative. Of Do you course. find laughing? Yeah. Laughing. What are some? I'm very curious. Sorry, Jamie, I know I interrupted earlier. What was your question yeah. that you were going to ask? Oh, God, I can't even remember at this point. Okay. Okay, then I'll ask oh, another I one. I, it had something to do with like when people take your classes, your courses. I, it had to do with like, what do you, do you hope people leave with? Obviously laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, do you give them tools to take them into their own life? Our, our work oh, no. is... I'm going to give the hope book, okay? Okay. okay? So I think one of the most important things that would be like in the goodie bag of takeaways is this anchoring in of hope. And the definition of hope that we use at the Simonton Cancer Center is one that I absolutely love. And it's this, uh, this applies to all of us, not just people that are dealing with a critical illness. Hope is the belief that desirable things are attainable regardless of the remoteness of the probability. One more time. Say it again. I'm going to. Hope is the belief that desirable things are attainable regardless of the remoteness of the probability. Mm. Yeah. It's a belief. So, and our beliefs can be shaky. And one of the things that we love about the, I guess the cornerstones in the Simonton program, and let me clarify this because I, my, my commitment is to teach this Simonton work to all of us that you don't have to have cancer to do the work. I did the book. I didn't have cancer. I just had a hot mess of a life at the time. And when I read both Norman Cousins' book, Anatomy of an Illness, and Dr. Simonton's book, Getting Well Again, they spoke to me in the most profound ways, not from an illness, but from a life filled with sadness and trying to traverse as a young woman without my dad, who was my champion. Both of these books inspired me to... Mm -hmm get back in the game called my own life and see if I could create one without my father being alive. When you ask what people come away with, I, I truly believe the power of play the way we do improvisation 
it's very much like a Rorschach test. The, the, the games are all the same, but the context changes depending on what the person is looking for. So we can work with a cancer patient. We can work with uh, an executive in a corporation. Couples. We've worked with uh, uh, couples. Uh, couples that were looking to divorce. We had people fly in from other states to come and work with us and spend eight hours with us to we see had if we a, could save their marriage. We had a- oh. We didn't save their marriage. That one didn't well, survive. One, but one we one did. did. One we did. But they, that one they, did. They'd forgotten how to play. <laughs> Uh, we also worked with a stand-up comedian who was dealing with just debilitating anxiety. Mm. And by helping him start to work through the anxiety, playing some of the games that we were playing, it completely opened him up. We gave him real tools that he could go while he was sitting and waiting to go on that would take his mind off of himself and get him connected and he was damn to, funny. to who he, he was. was. super it funny. Was wonderful. And he, but he couldn't move from is funny into actually performing it. And we, we got a call from a friend of ours who was his therapist who referred us. And that was an amazing, that was really an amazing ride. And, and also, you know, this idea that you don't have to be sick. I, my dream is to work with people and do play as preventative medicine, you mm. know, and play is a broad brush, brush stroke. You know, it could be anything that lights you up and puts a smile on your face. That's play. And it's figuring out what that is, because as you said, as as we grow into adulthood, we forget like we I, don't know. So I, are we do you think we should like dig into a quick exercise for sure. our audience? You ready, oh, Jim? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. You have I to have, play. Uh, I'm okay. ready. OK, you want to do the definition or you want me to? Uh, you go. It's, you'll, you'll, it'll be the Rolla Ramble if I do it. You do it. <laughs> yeah, All right. We're, this is this is we call this the distinction game. This was actually um, uh, developed on one of our many trips back and forth between Scottsdale and uh, Los Angeles. Our son asked us a question and we realized that he was asking about a couple of different things that were very similar and to find the distinction, well, it became a game. So we're going to now ask you in your life, uh oh, the way I'm nervous you experience, all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, you should be. This is a tough one. Yeah. What for you would be the distinctions, the qualities between a muffin and a cupcake? Oh, well, okay. a cupcake, a cupcake has icing. I would say muffins can have fruit in them. Okay, right. good, good, good. Okay, what else? Okay, Deb, so we're going to volley back and forth. So what else about, what are some of the distinctions? Keep going. You serve, Between a muffin and a cupcake. You serve cupcakes at birthday parties. Right, good. Right. What else? Muffins are a breakfast food. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So does muffin do muffins give the illusion that they're healthier than cupcakes? Do either of you they do, but no. they're not. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Lands often people think muffins are healthier. Okay, okay so let's open so it up. So now we're going to open it up. So you have a very clear idea for you of what a muffin and what a cupcake is. So let me ask you, what is the occupation? What is the job of someone who eats a muffin and someone who eats a cupcake? Oh, okay. A teacher. Um, I would say someone who eats a muffin is somebody who's sitting at a desk job. Okay, wait. Ready? All right, now hold on. Job. So this is the side. So we call this side coaching. It's also known as nudging or nagging. She's great at All that. Right, so here's what I'm going to suggest. <laughs> I know so what I nudging say, and nagging are. I'm good at both. So I might say, nagging. okay, let's play with that a little bit. So you said sitting at a desk. So life is in the details. So I will say to you, okay. Where's the desk? What's the company? What kind of work does this person do? Get specific. Okay, a desk I'm job. I'm feeling one. cubicle. Cubicle. Okay, what's right. their but what's their job title? Um maybe like they Make could it just up. be an administrative assistant. Okay. But now wait a second. So now let's give it something a little fancier. Okay, an administrative assistant and what is the company that they work for? Doing what? Give them a job to do. Um, they work for a, um, like medical supply company. Medical supply. Okay. Yes. okay. <laughs> Perfect. Good, okay. That's good, great. That's okay. Good. Good. Okay. Now, okay. Debbie. So Deb, uh, what is the occupation of the, of the cupcake eater? 
um, the cupcake eater is a is a mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I guess, I guess, is that the occupation? Well, no, not yet, but we got that. That's the detail. <laughs> She's, a mom. She's a mom. It can be your occupation, sure. but you have to declare it as so. Okay. That's her occupation. She's a mom. And okay. she's a mom who is proud of being a mom, apparently. Yes, um, no? Yes, a mom who is proud of being a mom. Absolutely. How, how many kids does his mom have? Six. Okay. Crazy Six. How proud old? of it. <laughs> how old is the oldest child and what's that kid's name? First thing that comes to your mind. 13 and psoriasis. That's the kid's <laughs> name? Okay. <laughs> Isn't that a disease? Yes. <laughs> This reminds me of a story. Uh, the guy that created the Groundlings, which is a theater company that Rich and I were original members of, the, the Groundlings, which is a big improv company in L.A., he used to tell a story about when he was a social worker. And one of his clients had named her children Syphilis and Gonoria. Moving on. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, so, so what, by the way, this, uh, this mom, what is her first name? Samantha. 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 What kind of car does Samantha drive? Ooh, a Porsche. A Porsche. What does she do with those six kids? No carpool. <laughs> Who, <person>? Who cares <laughs> about them? She's out cruising in her Porsche. Okay. Okay. So, what is our office uh, worker driving? By the way, our administrative assistant. Ah, uh, she's real crappy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we want to know what's the brand of the crappy car. What kind of car do you see in your mind? Oh, uh, it's like a, it's like a two thousand. Uh, <laughs> what's an expired car that doesn't even come? I don't know. A two thousand. A Pinto. Pinto. Sure. <laughs> where? By the way, where? I'm where not does... a decision maker. Can't hold on, hold on. Decisions if, in this. Okay, well, but see, but yes, this is, is so. If you were our client and we were in corporate and we were fumfering, sort of unbundling some of this, you and I might have a little conversation about let's let's practice. But you now caught yourself being yourself. Mm-hmm. You now right. see that there's this thing. So where we would go with that is it doesn't really matter. It could be anything. Just say anything as quickly as you can. By the way, okay. what is the, what is the first name of uh, of our uh, employee here? The administrative uh, Melissa. Assistant? Melissa. Melissa. Okay, okay, good, good. So now the next question we want to know is where does Melissa go on vacation? She goes to Florida. Florida. Uh-huh. Where okay, in Florida? She likes the sun. Good. Right. Okay. And Miami or the West Coast or what? Um, I would say she likes, um, Naples. Okay. Naples. Great. Great. Okay. Good. All right. And Debbie, where, where, uh, where is mom going on vacation? Mom is In- going to Italy. She's going uh, Capri. Where's that? I don't even know where Capri? it is. Capri. Yeah. She's Capri. going to oh, yeah. the Amalfi Coast. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very nice. Okay. So the point of all of this, what is the point? The point is, is, well, let's see if they, why would we do it? You know why would we? Do a game like this in, let's say, corporate. We were, you know, for a client. Why? What yes, would be the your reason? hand is raised, Debbie. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think you do it just to open up these neural pathways and get people to be creative because they're just thinking off the top of, you know, off the cuff of your head. You need to really learn that not everything and every decision you make and everything you say is so important. And when you can tap into the creative parts of your brain, you can actually become a better problem solver. Absolutely. And and by the way, we've saved many jobs out of this game because what would happen, I'm thinking of one yes. in particular of one of our clients, um, they wanted to fire this guy because he was weird. And there were a lot of complaints to management that this person was weird. <laughs> then we had them play the game and guess what? They weren't weird anymore. They were really unique. They had a unique point of view. It changed everybody's opinion of this person in a one hour version of playing together. Now, so, and, yes, and, and was Jamie, was there anything that you want to add as what you think all of this is, is about and what this can do? Well, I guess it's also going with your first like creative gut intuition of, mm-hmm. you know, when you said muffin, I actually thought about when I was in my twenties and worked at an office desk. That was my first thought. And I would eat muffins every day. Was your name Melissa? So that's where I kind of came up with whatever <laughs> yeah. I came up Man. with. But when you think about what improv is, of course, that's going to be if you trust that that's where your information is coming from when you're thinking on the fly and nobody ever has to panic because it's coming from your own life experience. Now, right. easier said than done. 
my way of coaching you would have been stop thinking, feel into your answer. You know, we would play with some of the little, um, little uh, things that I noticed. This isn't a teaching workshop, but I would get your permission. I say, okay, teaching moment. Can we have one? And then we would play and then we would be back the following week. It's like we fear would do though. I guess it's also like fear to just put yourself out there. You become, you become more comfortable with the fear yeah. because you may not lose the anxiety, but you will be, you will be able to put it, let's say like a little briefcase under your arm and do what you need to do anyway. But here's the thing too. Sometimes it's, okay. it's, sometimes it's the fear of looking stupid. Sometimes people mm-hmm. have word judgment. Like we do a game where it's important to say a word. And we've had people that we've asked to start the game, like head of school or, you know, you know, a CEO, you'd be the first one and they have to come up with a word and they can't even say the first word. They're so in their head. Mm-hmm. So part they of wanted the word to be appropriate or everybody to say so yeah, awesome. that's what it is. Yeah. That's that's what what I was feeling. You were feeling that, but here's the thing. So we didn't really give you any rules of the game or any boundaries. We just sort of started to play, but in a normal class or workshop or seminar, you would be given some structure and you would start to know, Oh, I get it. When I am hard on myself and I think I have word judgment or my word isn't good enough or my at, you know, like I'm thinking it needs to be more than it is. We're in, we're in partnership and you're going to know that you'll be working on that. One of the, one of the important things about this, what this reveals is we all have, um, uh, an inner, an inner world for all of these things that we talk about, the distinctions, they live for us in a particular way. One of our corporate clients, they said, this is such a stupid game. Why are we playing distinction? Who cares? It's a muffin. It's a cupcake. What's the big deal? We said, okay, let me ask you a question. Uh, this was a, a, a company that was um, a hiring company. Recruiter. They would, recruiters. They would interview people. So I said, so what happens if you call up somebody and uh, they said, oh, uh, I'm so glad I, I'm finally getting this interview. Let me just get a range. I just walked in. I'm sitting down and I'm going to have a cupcake or I'm sitting down and I'm going to have a muffin. Well, because they had a whole mental set about who eats a cupcake and who eats a muffin, they had a whole mental set about whether this person was right for the job and it would color everything that they were asking and listening for. Mm -hmm. And what was really cool out of this exercise is an incident that happened almost right after we did this where they had somebody online and it was a woman and she was chopping and dicing and she mentioned she was chopping and dicing and she was holding her baby. And the recruiter had a real problem with that until, because we were listening on the line until we came to find out with a little bit more warmth, a little bit more compassion, this mother revealed that her husband had been deployed in Afghanistan and Mm. she was making dinner. She was multitasking. Mm-hmm. And so she was chopping and dicing while holding her kid. That recruiter would have just dismissed this possibility of Thank a hire you. out of hand. I couldn't be that important. I'm interviewing her and I must not be that important because she's making dinner. And well, instead of, yeah. she was doing what she had to do. And that changed everything. And we, we, we began to teach them how to recruit differently. So that mm. candidates like this woman who needed this job got hired instead of being being dismissed out of hand. And so. if you think mm. about it, the distinctions between two very similar things, a house and a home, you have mm-hmm. a whole thing that lives inside of you that is different from a house or a home. Oh, we did. To tell us the difference between a, a town and a city, a valley mm-hmm. and I forgot all the right, things. Of, of, Concrete and cement. Concrete and cement. What are the differences? Well, you make associations throughout your life about those things. And this cool. is an opportunity to, to ferret those out, but also to have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you find, I love that everything that you do, A, you're helping others on, I mean, amazing that you helped that guy keep his job and this woman get hired who wouldn't have already been hired. And I know you help cancer patients and oh, yeah. what you're really doing what you're doing really makes a difference in people's lives. Do you feel that now that health and wellness is such an important buzzword and experience and top of mind for so many people, especially coming out of COVID? um, Do you feel like you've 
been able to, have you had to change any of your tactics or just more people are open to hearing from you than before? Yes. So much has changed and we're just perched. We're ready. We have enormous content. Um, you know, we've been teaching what we call adaptive applied improvisation. I mean, I've been doing this for over 30 years. I started in mental health. I spent nine years working with the mentally ill. I always have worked with cancer patients on the side and I hate to admit it, but I was an actor, you know, a long time ago. I mean, that's where my heart went. And I, you know, that I, was my I, question. I, that was my question. How you got into improv. You had to be an actor. Okay, well, go ahead. Yeah. But but here's the thing, you know, there's there's improv and then there's improv. And I always knew, even as a kid, that I had a bit of a healer in me. And when what happened to me is I got my feelings hurt a lot as an actor because I was different. And so every time I didn't get a job, and it was frustrating because it would be like they call it the third callback. And I was the third callback queen. And then when I wouldn't get a job, I would just cry for days. And it really started to deplete me and talk about the nicks and boo-boos to my soul. It was rampant and I could feel, I could feel the wounding. And, um, I guess the tipping point for me was a big job that I did not get. And it was so disappointing that it took a Mack truck on what we call La Brea Boulevard rear ending me to stop a spin and give me a chance to reevaluate my life. But it took that. Mm. It took a truck to that get was- me to look inside and, and determine what I, what was next for me. And I knew I wanted to use everything that I loved about theater and about improv and about comedy, but I wanted to heal first me, my mm. own wounds. I needed to, I mean, I was a hot mess and that's what happened. I mean, I was recovering from this accident and my chiropractor brings the a brochure in. And I was telling people, I want to do this thing with my background in theater, my love of you know, my minor in psych, blah, blah, blah. My father dying. I you know, all this stuff. I want to smoosh it together. And my chiropractor comes in with the brochure and it's the first international humor laughter play conference at the Sheraton Palace in San Francisco. Who were the keynote speakers? Dr. O. Carl Simonton and Norman Cousins. What? Those are had, the guys. Yeah, I know. Had you already read? Yes. Had you already been in touch with them and read read Not their books? I read their books while read I was books. recuperating. Okay. That was okay. the universe oh. tapping oh. Rala on the shoulder. Absolutely, this all is where you stars, need to go. It was lining up. lining up. Yeah, and so of course, and now, now you know. I mean, I'm literally an out of work actor appearing nights as a waitress. It's, you know, it's a conference for doctors and scientists and psychologists and psychiatrists. And yours truly wants to be there. So I had to hustle to get that dough together. I go to my mom. She's like, another cockamamie. I, you know, no. <laughs> and luckily I, I had, I had, I had, I had That's some friends. I had some friends and I, I had friends that were willing to help me get a ticket. And I got a ticket. I stayed with my best friend on Lombard street, your neck of the woods, Debbie. And mm-hmm. I, I made it to the Sheraton Palace. I was 25 years younger than everybody there. Everybody there had gray hair and was buttoned down. And I had 700 bracelets and a big bow in my hair. <laughs> and, oh, my God. I mean, this is a story. This is, Richard, you call it, what do you I call, call this? I call this Rolla magic. So mm. Rolla goes to this thing. She's late because it's raining. And oh, she was staying. It was, the it was the last night, the banquet. And she was staying with her friend and not at the hotel. And it was forever to get to the hotel. And she comes in like a, a, a drowned rat with the big pink bow in her hair and the things up her sleeve. She finally finds the one vegetarian meal where she's supposed to in sit. a thousand of them. I was she the only sits vegetarian. down and like a couple of minutes later, a note comes, is delivered by the waiter. It says, who the fuck are you and what are you doing here? Please see us after uh, at the book signing. Carl Simonton and Norman Cousins. They found her. Norman Cousins did not talk like that. Carl, Dr. Simonton had a mouth and funny as hell. But I stuck out like a sore thumb. And in a million years, I couldn't have planned it. And and both those guys just changed my lives and my life and and mentored me up the wazoo. And and that was that's 35 years ago. Wow. wow. And that That's is amazing, some amazing, amazing Rolla, Mar- Rolla, I can't even say it, Rolla magic. Now, 
I think we're going to take this moment. I think that's a perfect magical spot to end this conversation because I know we could go on and on forever. Uh, On and on. (laughs) On and on. But I want, can you tell us where everybody can find you after they've listened? I'm sure we have some mad CEOs out there who are going to dial in and they and they want to hire you or just people who are leading teams or just individual couples struggling or people who really want to tune in and learn how to play where can we find you we're at www.thepowerofplay.com so thepowerofplay.com we also for people who specifically are dealing with health issues mm. we opened up a separate uh, website the power of play for health all spelled oh. out all one word dot com so they can reach us there. Um, and what's that? Our IG. Our oh, Instagram, the power of play, all one word. <laughs> Twitter, the power of play. Yes. Clubhouse, all, all the power of, the, of all play. The usual <laughs> I, I'm going fi- to find you. Okay. And you guys are, you're using Clubhouse, are you? Um, we're, we're playing with it. We're playing yeah. with on Clubhouse. Facebook. Are you on yes. Facebook? Oh, and we also have a, a private, we also have a, a Facebook group, The Power of Play also. And our podcast is going to be The Power of Play Cafe. When is so, that coming out? We just have played with the trailer. When's it coming out? I don't know when we get around to it. Okay, good. <laughs> <We're> with, <laughs> we really, you're very busy. We are. We but are. we really want, We re- see, Zoom did not make me happy. I really want to mm. get back. I want. I want to go back to the hospital. I want to visit yeah, my patients at infusion. I want. I want to be back in the classroom. I want. I want to. You want to feel corporate. humans. I do. I want to feel. It was hard to feel connected in the Zoom room. Yes. Yes. Um, but I had to learn how to do it. So we're going to stick with it. But but thank God it's changing. I hear there's all kinds of things that are happening. Oh, yeah, sure, So Richard. one of the other things that I do, aside from work with Rala, love Rala, live with Rangle Rala, Rala, wrangle Rala, uh, I'm also a writer. And uh, I've written for television, I've written for film, but the project that right now has my attention is a book that is, if you're looking for a good summer read, oh, it's yeah. not a comedy, it's a, it's a murder mystery thriller, and it's getting great reviews. It's called Dishonor Thy Father. Dishonor. Yeah. My father. It's a murder mystery. It's on the theme. It's, 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 it's a, a murder very mystery important that takes, conversation, it's honey. A murder, it is. It's a murder mystery that takes place in Los Angeles, but there is an element about an honor killing. You know and what honor killings know are? Honor killing, many no. people don't. Uh, in See. some very orthodox, conservative uh, Muslim communities around the world, uh, if a woman, a wife or a daughter is immodest mm. publicly, uh, there is one way to remove the stain from the family name, and that's killing her. Well, wow. it's pretty intense. And it's still happening but now. This is a, it's a great novel, and we're looking to get it made into a television series or film. But it's up there on, on uh, Amazon, so if you want to check that out, Dishonor yes. Thy Father. And it's Dishonor important for women father. and women supporting women. It's a, it's a conversation that we, we I didn't even know it, it still existed. So... Mm. Um, Anyway, that's enough of that lecture. And it's and it's good if I do say so myself, even though the hubs wrote it. It's I, I, I liked it a lot. And <laughs> yes, and other than that, we laugh all the time. It's yes, we say laughter. Laughter is our aphrodisiac. Laughter is our aphrodisiac. I just said that. You did. Okay. <laughs> it's only worked for 34 years so far. We just had our 34th last week. Oh, oh my god, well happy Annie. Thank yeah, that's, guys. that's that is no small feat. I mean, being married for 30, 34 years, that that yeah. that's some magic right there. I will say that Jamie the Great and I got married on the same day, six years apart. So we share an anniversary. Did you? Yeah, have the same anniversary. What are the same same wedding anniversaries? Two kids that grew up together would manage. I mean, that's wild. And that here mm-hmm. you are in different parts of the world connected again, doing this amazing funny as hell always informative podcast i love yes. your podcast i love thank it thank you thank you it's been fun it just it's gets you where i live thank way, you Rala and richard yes. this has been a huge outlet for me through covid because i have a pretty serious job and this has been what is Debbie's- your job I'm, I'm a patient navigator for a health oh. system. So I answer the phones for all women's health, cancer and oh, wow. gynecology and a, a primary care. But this was for me, Debbie's super creative and she asked me to do this. And 
this has been a huge outlet to sh- to put my voice out there to mm-hmm. go outside laugh. of your comfort zone, go outside of my comfort zone, laugh. Get yeah. creative. Well, that is so great. That's great. It was yeah. so much fun to see you two in action. I just want to thank you guys so much. It was. I'm so glad we got to connect again. Love you guys. Please share this. And oh yeah, thanks, Bri Bri. <laughs> And I'm going to take you guys out with my latest hit, Bangs or Botox. Bangs or Botox. Botox or bangs. Say bye-bye, furrow in my brow. It's time to leave and take a bow. Listen to me when I say it's time to magic your way. Do I go for bangs to hide or Botox to delay the aging day today? Bangs or Botox? Botox or bangs? Do I go for scissors or shot? Lots of friends get it. I've yet to got. I'm 46 and full of tricks. I got self creation in the mix. I pick me to feel good about me. Bangs or Botox? Botox or bangs? When I want to look fresh or flyer, I turn inside out. To find out what it was about It was a no-shot decision for me I canceled the Botox immediately I went straight to the salon And asked for bangs for my curly locks And if I do say so myself, my look rocks Bangs, not Botox Bangs, not Botox And a fringe had the fur And a fringe had the wrinkles And a lip boom pop And I'm almost hip hopping Bangs, not Botox No Botox Yes, bangs Damn kid interrupt my flow Don't you know I got to get it out Got to let it go And you want a play date after school Boom I lost my rhythm and rhyme So uncool That's what happens to a mom in demand Looking so glam because you went for bangs Over Botox No Botox Yes bangs Botox never bangs forever Fillers maybe and a facelift for sure Over Botox. No Botox. Yes, bangs.